Hello. So this episode, it's a little bit different to what I normally do in the Get It Right podcast. I'm actually doing a bit of a Q&A, question and answer. So, you know, the thing is I get loads of questions. Some come on the blog, some come via email, some on social media, and lots and lots and lots inside my online courses. So let's dive in, okay? Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. There's a fun thing that I see, especially inside my online programs, is what happens when members actually start asking questions, because it always helps other members as well. See, you know, you may have these questions as well, or perhaps these are questions that you haven't even got to yet, you haven't even thought of yet, or you may have never thought of had somebody else not asked it instead. And so I actually find inside my online programs that with everyone inside a Facebook community asking questions and getting my answers to them, what's amazing is that it's so useful in everyone learning far more collectively than they would if they were just working with me one-on-one. It's absolutely amazing. And so, you know, I see the real power of that community and that group inside those online programs. And I also regularly run a survey to understand more about you as a member of the UA community. And so if you've ever opt in for one of my free PDF guides, you may have actually seen me ask you, what is your single biggest challenge when it comes to building or renovating your home? I ask people who respond to this survey to be as specific as possible. And then I get some incredibly helpful and fantastic questions and challenges described because, and I say helpful because they then help me help you more with what I do in Undercover Architect and really understand what it is that you're challenged by and grappling with. And so I've got three questions that I'm going to share with you in this episode, and I've got some detailed responses for each of these questions to help you if you've been wanting answers to these questions as well. And I've chosen these three because they're questions that I receive a lot and from a lot of different avenues, and they get put slightly different ways, but they're all sort of generally asking the same thing. So hopefully these three questions questions are good ones for you as well. Now, the first question I'm going through, or the first challenge, I suppose, is one that I I do definitely receive often. And so here it is. A member of the UA community uh, said to me that they're torn between going via the project home route or having their home architecturally designed. They'd actually prefer not to have a project home, but their uncertainty around what their budget can get them by going through the architectural route is really what's holding them back from choosing that option option and pushing them back towards the project home option. And I, you know, I see many homeowners grapple with this and I think it can be for a few reasons. So let's look at the the side of project homes, you know, why, why people and why you might be going down the project home route. There's three reasons that I generally say people choose this. It's, one is that there's an impression of certainty around cost 
And I actually do think it's an impression of certainty. I don't think it's necessarily actual because often what you find is when you get into the project home process that the initial cost that you were quoted does change and uh, and it's a case of sort of finding that out as you go along. So, But there definitely is a, a feeling that you, you sort of understand what the cost is up front before you start the process and uh, and then you can proceed on that basis. The second reason that I see is that people really enjoy the fact that they can see a finished result before they build. You know, they can work walk through a display, may not be exactly like theirs, but they get a really good impression of the finish and the spaces and, and how the home might work. And then the third reason I, I generally see people choose project homes is because of the speed of the whole process, because you're basically just skipping the design phase and you're choosing something off the plan and it ends up you know overall generally being delivered to you a bit faster. Now on the four side of custom designs whether you're working with a building designer or an architect I see that people will often choose this for also for three reasons. One is that Look, not all sites, not all building blocks will lend themselves simply to being homes being bought off the plan. You know, if you have a site that's not north or east to rear, you may find that it's difficult to find a project home that's going to work for the orientation of your block. Or um, if your home has some slope or it's a slightly individual shape, that can be challenging as well. Another reason is is just not being able to find a design off the plan that ticks all of the boxes that you might have in your head about how you want your home to be. And the third uh, reason is generally because people say that they don't want something that's cookie cutter. And they're, they're not my words. They're the words that others who have asked this question have actually used. They've said that, you know, they don't want a cookie cutter approach. And because you know, some, I, what I see is some homeowners really love seeing other homeowners building homes like theirs. You'll go into forums and people will be saying, is anybody building the such and such from this builder? Is anybody building the such and such from this builder? And they're sort of looking for others who are, who are building the same home. And then there's other homeowners who just don't like that idea at all. They don't like that their home would be cropping up on somebody else's block in another neighborhood. And they, they see that as cookie cutter. And so that's not a judgment call either way. It's just, um, it's one of those things. It's different, different strokes for different folks I suppose. Now when you're building a new home the whole that whole first step of where to start and you know who to start talking to and how to team up getting your design needs met as well as choosing a builder for your project and getting some certainty around budget and costs and processes can be really challenging and nerve-wracking and be a really big first hurdle that a lot of new home builders struggle to sort of get over and find that they're not sure which which avenue to take. And so I want to talk you through the fact that there are really four main options that when you when you're thinking about building a new home there's four main options that you can choose and this is information that I've pulled out of how to get it right in your reno or new home my six-week course um, and we talk about it in more detail there. So your number one option is that you just choose a home off the plan and you build it with what I call a volume builder. Project home builder is another word for them. They'll build a large number of homes per year and they have a catalogue of existing designs that you choose from. You can pay to tweak them if you want to. You generally pay quite a significant upgrading costs if you do want to amend the designs at all. But they'll be building a large number of homes per year and you're a bit beholden to their systems and their processes because that's where their efficiency of delivery comes from and it helps them keep their overall margins down and a bit lower than a one-off builder so so you sort of do jump on the the train of how their processes work once you commit to doing 
a build with uh, somebody like this building off the plan with a project home builder. Now the second option that you can choose is that you can work with still work with a volume builder who does who does a lot of homes per year but they'll do custom designs so they may have an in-house design team for example or a drafting team or they may have a set of designs that you sort of can then completely modify or, or tweak based on you know what your site might need and what your design needs might be or they may actually refer you to an external design team that they use regularly who understand how they as a volume builder build homes um, so that they'll design things to fit that delivery model and so often those design services they'll actually be pitched as free design services they'll say you know we we provide free design services to get your design right and then you can work with us to build your home but you can run into issues and I've seen homeowners experience this time and time again because somewhere in the small print it will say that that you as the homeowner don't actually own the design that you've worked on that the builder always owns the design and so if you want to price check along the way if you want to if you get frustrated with the builder and you want to take your design somewhere else to get it built or you have just some kind of falling out that makes you think again then you can have problems with taking the design away and being able to do that so but because they build a large number of homes per year you'll find that they'll still have systems and processes which help them be efficient in their delivery and get sort of that economy of scale in their pricing and in their approach and so you you know, with working with them, you may find that that means that you're having to select certain materials, certain types of detailing, working with certain types of suppliers and, uh, and following their sort of process to do that. Now, the third option of building a new home is taking a custom design to a builder. Okay, so you can get a design done by a building designer or an architect, for example, and then you can find a volume builder or you know somebody who does so either you know a really large you know when I talk about volume builders I'm thinking of somebody who builds sort of over 80 homes per year but even if they're building say between 20 and 80 that's still they can still get some economies of scale from that and so you can take your custom design to these volume builders and uh, and get it built that way get your design built in their delivery model. So if you followed the Anderson Home on the Undercover Architect blog, there's a project diary um, called the Anderson Home, which was a new home uh, that we did this way. So the Andersons worked with me on their design and then we found a Brisbane home builder who built around 80 homes per year. And so they were able to actually get their custom designed home built for less than the project homes that they were looking at. So it was a really interesting process because they were obviously then able to get the design that they actually wanted. It was designed for the orientation of their site and, uh, and a custom design for them. Um, but they were accessing those lower building prices. And so, you know, but there were things obviously that they then were in their systems and processes. They, they were building their design, but working with that builder's suppliers and that builder's, that builder had certain detailing they always did and certain ways of sort of doing things. So, um, but for them, it was great because they got the result that they wanted for the price that they wanted to pay. Now, the last option, of course, is the is the traditional version of working with a building designer or an architect. You're tendering to a selection of builders and you're negotiating a building contract with one of them to then build your finished home. And that builder might build several homes per year. They might build one or two homes per year, but it's a very traditional process and sort of the more yeah, the more original way of building building a home. Now, in the order of cost, so those four options that we looked at, you know, first was project home, second was working with a custom builder but using their design services, third was building, doing a custom design with a designer and then taking it to a builder who does volume builds or does 
delivery in an efficient way in that regard. And then the fourth was working with an architect or building designer and tendering to a builder and following a traditional process. So in the order of cost, speaking really generally, (laughs) number one, is probably the least expensive way to build, and but it's also probably the lowest opportunity to have control in the process. And then you move through to number four, where the cost generally does increase in terms of the building costs, but the control and the ownership of the process and how, how much say you get in the process and the say that you get in the design and in the detailing and the material choices and the result in your finished home also increases in that process. And so, and your ownership of the design increases as well. Now, as I said, that's it's generally speaking, it's not always the case. We did we did option three with you know that was in a less expensive way than option one. I've seen option four be done less than option one. You know, it's really about who you're going to work with and how how you're going to navigate that process. But for me, it's it's really it's really being super aware of what your role is and what you want your role to be and what your say is and how much control you get to have in the process and the control over the outcome because that will really largely determine which option is going to be right for you. And that whole free design services, it's, you know, I've just seen that seriously catch out homeowners uh, who found that they've wasted months of time. They've paid deposits on contracts to keep sort of progressing these free design services to get their design to a point to then only find out that they can't take it elsewhere if they want to. So, you know, for me, it's not free design services. Nobody, it's not like anybody's Santa and they're sitting around with a bunch of, with a team that they just want to gift you. It will be built into the cost somewhere. Okay. And so it's just part of their delivery model. It's part of their process. It's certainly, you know, I'm not suggesting that it's mercenary or anything like that. Um, for some builders, it's it's their way to really help homeowners create a design that they know will actually meet their budget. Because, you know, that's one thing that always, you know, is the biggest fear and challenge around building is that you'll go through this design process and you'll end up with a with a design you love that you can't actually afford to build. So a lot of builders do offer these design services to know then that they'll be helping clients create designs that they can actually afford to build, you know, that they meet their budgets. And uh, and but for me, I just want you to be aware that free design services don't really exist. <laughs> that if they say they're free design services, then you really need to understand that you will be paying for it somewhere else in the process and that um, and just also check how much control and ownership you have over that design so that if everything, worst case scenario, everything does go pear-shaped, you can walk away with the design that you've helped create and uh, and you can still build it somewhere, somewhere with someone else, okay? Now, I've got a blog which talks more about the costs of these different options and, you know, what your budget uh, might tell you about what option is actually available to you so that if you're still struggling sort of figuring out which one you're going to start with, um, sometimes your budget and working out where your budget is in terms of how much physical area you want to build can be a really good indicator of sort of what your next first steps should be. So I'll pop that link in the show notes so that you can read that as well. Now, let's have a look at the next question that I've received. So somebody asked me what the difference is between a building approval and uh, a CDC slash DA approval, or are they the same thing? Okay, now CDC stands for Complying Development Certificate, and this is actually terminology that I think is specific to New South Wales. Um, In other locations, though, the CDC itself, that, that kind of actual tool or vehicle, I suppose, it exists, it's just given different names. So 
um, it might be called compliant development or it might be called self-accessible development. And then DA will stand for development approval or development application. Now both of these are processes uh, of getting your proposed building, your new build or your renovation checked and approved against the town planning rules for your state, for your area, for your site, for your suburb, you know, wherever you're located. And they're they're both types of town planning approvals. Now, they're, they're different levels of approval, and so what you'll need will actually be determined by what you're planning to do, what the rules are in your area, and how all of that works. So, you know, you need to check with your local council to find out whether you'll be able to access a self-accessible self development, a CDC or a DA. And episode two of the launch season of the podcast, so right back at the beginning, that will be a good resource for you finding out more information about this topic. Now, a building permit or building approval or construction certificate, or these are called BAs or CCs, you know, these are the approvals that are required to commence construction. So they, what they do is they actually check that your design proposal meets any of your council approved conditions. So they'll actually check back against any approvals that you've had to get through town planning or anything that's in your council rules and making sure that you're actually satisfying those as well as checking things against the state and national building codes and regulations and any other um, Australian standards and those types of things. So the, this building approval, building permit, it's actually required for you to be able to commence construction of your project on site. Now, so the first one, the CDC DA, that's a town planning approval. And the other one is the building approval, the construction certificate, that is, that's a building approval, okay? And so what you'll find is that for pretty much most projects building or renovating, you will definitely need a building approval. And then whether or not you need a town planning approval of sorts, like whether it's actually got to go to your council and be reviewed by somebody at your council, that will depend on what you're doing and where you live, okay? Now let's move on to the third and last question that I have for this episode. Now this question was actually from a member of the How to Get It Right uh, online program in the current round that we're running. She said that, you know, after after we have an idea of our design in app form, so they've been working and drawing up a design in their app form in their in an app that they've got, and I've been reviewing that for them. Who do we need to consult with next and in what order? So the structural engineer, the geotechnical engineer, the surveyor, or the drafts person. Obviously, we don't want to go back and forth any more than necessary, and uh, we don't want to be spending unnecessary money on fees. Now, this is a great question, and it can be a case of you know having trouble understanding who do you need to work with first, and who else will you need to source, and how will they all get coordinated along the way, and you know who will use what piece of information, and how they'll all sleeve together. So the answer to this question will actually depend on a couple of things. Now, the first thing it will depend on is are you wanting to get your app done designs handed over as a brief of what you're hoping to achieve. So, so you know, you're just using that draw, that process, I suppose, of designing your own home or designing your own renovation or extension in an app as an idea, as a means of sort of testing some ideas and really sort of getting an understanding of what's possible. And then you want to take it to a designer so that they'll expand that and they'll take it on as your brief and they'll, they'll put their professional design expertise over the top of that and really then, uh, I suppose flesh it out so that that design concept really sings. And then you'll get their help with sourcing 
other consultants and with coordinating their work and reviewing their work so that you can then get that that design drawn up and approved and built in your finished home. So that's that's one version that you can do. Or the second is that you're planning on just on, on designing your home yourself. You've got it all drawn up in the app. You're really happy with it and you're wanting just to take it to a draftsperson for them to convert your design into drawings that you can then use for approvals and for quoting and for building. And you're planning on managing all of the other team members that you need and all of their work and you're going to source them and do all of that to basically execute the approval and construction of your project. So, you know, they're probably sitting at both extremes of how you could handle the process and you might might be at one end or the other or you might be somewhere in between those two. So let's go through looking at, okay, who would you get first if you were choosing option one? So option one is you've got your app uh, design, you want to take it as a brief to a designer and then get their help with sourcing everybody else that you need. So, you know, as I said, this drawing up in the app's really been a means of just testing things and helping you firm up your brief. And then you're looking for the designer to help you turn your ideas plus bring their expertise and knowledge and create your finished home design. So, often then that designer will then help you source the various consultants that you'll need. And, you know, they'll include that in their services. So, um, and architects in particular will do this and some building designers I know of will as well. Now, I don't personally think of draftspeople as designers, and that may be a bit contentious, but in my experience, and look, this viewpoint and this opinion on this comes from working directly with draftspeople over you know, a couple of decades and having them on my team and working inside businesses with them and then you know also working with them as subcontractors to businesses. Now, And it's also coming from the feedback that I regularly get from homeowners where they'll say to me, look, the draftsperson didn't design. They just did what we, they just drew what we told them to draw. And we, and and they're generally getting in touch with me because they're disappointed because they expected more and, and they're frustrated that, that they didn't sort of get design help. So, and I, you know, I've blogged about this before and I sometimes get some pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting responses when I do talk about it. But yeah, I, I kind of feel you shouldn't expect a draftsperson to design. And I will also say, look, you know, as I've said countless times before, who you work with and who you choose, you know, their skill set will be about them and who they are and what they bring to the table. So I'm just speaking generally here in terms of the roles, okay? Now, because I know there are great people in, there are great drafts people and there are terrible architects. Um, I don't believe that the name of the role necessarily means that you're awesome at what you do, okay? So, all right. Now, but but what I find is that an architect or a building designer can work with you to source your various consultants, uh, help you expand that design process when you find the right one for you, and then they can help coordinate all of those moving parts to bring them together. So what the an architect or a building designer will generally do is they'll start with, you'll, you'll come to them with your your app drawn design and say this is what we're thinking we want to do we want your help to make this work and then they'll find a surveyor and the surveyor will then help you understand where your boundaries are because they may not be where your fences are located they'll look at services and topography and anything else on your site that's going to impact what you can build or renovate on it and then they create a drawing and that acts as the base drawing that all of your design work gets done on so that your design is actually based in reality and you don't get any nasty surprises down the track 
track. Now, you know, whether you're building or you're renovating, a survey, getting a survey done early is really key to managing your risk around assuming that your site is the size that you think it is and that there's no unknown constraints that you have to be worried about or any issues that are going to come up that will impact the design. Next then, the designer will generally organise to get a soil test done by a geotechnical engineer. And so if your designer is actually helping you source this consultant and together you've had some conceptual ideas about how your home might be located on the block and what you might be doing if you're extending as well, then it can be helpful in then getting that information to the geotechnical engineer so that they take soil tests in the right locations to understand the soil conditions exactly where you're sort of seeking to build. And I've actually got a video about this topic on the blog, so I'll pop a link in the show notes because I share in that video three mistakes that people make when they're getting soil tests that can then cause a lot of dramas down the track. Now the soil test that geotechnical engineer does is actually what the structural engineer uses to then start giving feedback on the engineering design of the home because what the soil test does is it describes the conditions of the site and how stable the ground is in terms of expansion and contraction and what help the house itself will need that you're building or the extension that you're doing or the renovation work to be able to withstand any movement in the site and in the soil and basically keep the house upright. So that, that would be the order for option one, okay? You'd get the designer first, you'd then get the surveyor, you'd then get the geotechnical engineer to do the soil test, and then you'd get the structural engineer. The designer would manage the interaction, they'd help source those consultants and get fee proposals from them, they'd help you review the fee proposals, they'd coordinate their work and their inputs, and then they'd make sure that it's all coordinated in developing the design and the drawings over time so that when it comes to building on site, you've got a comprehensive set of information that uh, all works together and ticks all of the boxes to then build your finished home or your renovation project. Now, at the other end of the extreme, remember there was, you know, this this that you're doing it all yourself and you've done your design, you're getting the draft person to draw it up and then you're finding all of these consultants yourself. So in this situation, the order is going to be a little bit different. I would actually recommend then that you get your survey done first because you're basically acting as the designer, okay? So you're getting your, you get your survey done first so that you can be confident that the design that you're working on in this app isn't going to be impacted by any of those things that we spoke about and that you're not going to get surprised by some assumptions that you're making about boundary positions or anything else like that. And then I would actually make a connection with a structural engineer. And so the reason that I suggest this is that understanding what their timing and their availability is, how they'll work with your drafts person, you know, you getting informed about what that coordination process is going to look like, what role you're going to need to play, will they, you know, will a structural engineer coordinate and liaise directly with your drafts person, will they charge extra to do that, how will that process work, or will they just want you to provide them with finished drawings and then they'll provide the structural design, you know, getting some advice from them about how they can be most helpful in that process, that'll be really key to you before you meet the drafts person so that you are informed about the timing and the machinations of that, I suppose. And what you'll find then is that this, the structural engineer can often refer you to a geotechnical engineer that they recommend to get the soil test done. And they can also um, give you some advice about how to brief the geotechnical engineer as well so that you understand what you actually have to request from them when they turn up, you know, to get their fee to then turn up on site. 
And then you can go to the drafts person. Okay, so you're basically then using the drafts person as that documentation or that drawing process. And you've got some key information that's going to help them convert your app in your app drawn, drawn design into your drawings for your home. And you're going to be across some of those key areas and moving parts that are all required to make it happen. Okay. So that explains to you sort of both ends of the spectrum and I suppose it's really about helping you understand, you know, the kinds of conversations to have based on which option you might be choosing so that you can see ultimately this is going to come down to how much how much do you want to be doing these things? You know, I always say all these steps still need to occur. It's not like you can skip them just because you're doing it yourself, all right? They all need to occur. So if you're if you're not hiring for them and not entrusting somebody else to do them and paying somebody else to do them, then they still need to occur and you'll need to be doing them yourself. So it's a case of understanding the steps, understanding what kind of role and responsibility you want to have, and then finding the team members that are going to complement the way that that process is going to work for you. My preference, of course, is option one, getting the designer to help coordinate and source and oversee everything. And, you know, for me, the real reason around this is, you know, you may be really super organized. You may be, you know, really great at coordinating things in your life generally. Um, but what I see for homeowners is that when you actually don't know what you're coordinating, when you don't know what you're organizing, then it's really easy to miss something and have something fall through the cracks. And the thing is that those missed things, they can come back and bite you in delays and in extra costs and in redesigns and in other stressful consequences. And you sort of toing and froing between various professionals and having to pay for things twice and it actually ending up costing you far more than you planned. You thought you were saving money by doing it yourself, but you've ended up having to do things a couple of times over and spent more than if you just hired a designer to coordinate it all in the first place. So, you know, having somebody that who does it every day that pull, can pull it all together for you, you know, that can really alleviate some serious headaches and it can actually save you a lot of money in the long run. Not every designer will do this though as part of their services. So, you know, some designers will help you do the drawings and then they'll want you to do the rest. Okay, so if you actually want them to help you find consultants, review their fees, coordinate and review their work and bring all of those moving parts together and basically be that main point of contact that everything gets fed through, then you need to make that part of the process of you interviewing them and, uh, and that selection process so that you find the right designer for you and your project. Okay, so that was three questions and three answers. Now, I hope you found that helpful. You know, I think this is one of the things about renovating or building your home. So many questions come up and there's this whole chicken and egg thing that happens, particularly even just at the start, you know, there's so many parts to this process. And what I say, for example, you know, homeowners really struggle with is, you know, Okay, so you don't know what you want to spend until you can really see what it'll buy you in your new or renovated home. And then you don't really know how much building or renovating you can actually afford based to do on the budget that you think you want to spend. And so you're trying to choose designers or you're trying to choose builders, but when you don't really know what you want to do or how much it'll cost, then it can become challenging to know sort of who to speak to and what kind of conversations to have with them. And then the builders will want drawings to be able to give you some realistic understanding of cost. But you don't want to necessarily spend money on drawings and committing to a design process until you sort of have a have some idea and some reassurance that you can actually afford to do what you want to do. And then, you know, you can't really choose a designer or because when you look at their work 
and what they generally do. You're not sure, you know, that they might be a good fit in the kind of work that they do, but you're not sure if they can deliver that on your place for the budget that you want to spend. And you're not really sure if a designer is the best approach anyway, because your general kind of feeling about them is that they'll blow your budget, that, you know, you'll end. And so what you do is you end up going back to the builder because you figure that the person building it will probably have a better understanding of how much it'll actually cost you to build or renovate, but then they want drawings. <laughs> and and you still don't even know about all the other parts, all the other consultants and approvals and fees and licenses and all the other bits and pieces that you need to satisfy. And, and no one can seem to give you any decent advice until you've committed to a contract or signed on a dotted line and uh, that commits you to big chunks of money and big undertakings of time and processes. So, you know, it and at the end of the day, just sitting there saying, why can't anyone tell me what it's going to cost me to build or renovate my home? And it's no wonder, like I just get exhausted thinking about it. It's no wonder that it's overwhelming and that it gets put to the side until you've got the headspace or the energy to think about it. And time goes by and your existing house starts to get annoying again. And then you jump on the merry-go-round once more uh, to see if anything is different this time. And you know, in fact, what you generally find then is construction costs have gone up, that that designer you were thinking about has got busy and isn't available for six months, um, or your builder's not available for six months. You know, if you're building and you're looking for a new block of land, the, build, the land prices may have gone up. If you're renovating, your existing house may have deteriorated a bit more and there's more work required to fix it that has to come out of the budget you wanted to spend on extending it. So it's all super frustrating. You know, I'd see it time and time again. And, and it, um, look, you know, I'm, I, yeah, but it's, it's so, it's, I can see, I can see why people just think renovating and building is going to be this horrible thing that they just have to brace themselves for and just deal with it because at the end of it, there'll be a finished house, but it's going to be this torture, torturous process before they get there. And it, like, it breaks my heart. It really does. And it's, you know, it all sounds super doom and gloom and perhaps it's not this dramatic, you know, but I suppose I hear from a lot of homeowners that this is their journey. And I see so many homeowners actually experience this um, in small and in big quantities. And, you know, sometimes they're enduring this, this merry-go-round for years and this chicken and egg problem that takes them, you know, back and forward and around and around again. And so, you know, of course, that's why I do what I do in Undercover Architect, you know, to try and inform and educate you with reliable advice and with knowledge and know-how so that you can actually sift through all the noise that is out there online and get meaningful and actionable advice to help you navigate your journey far more simply. And it's also why I created my online program, How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home. You know, this is six supercharged weeks where I lay out all the steps that you need to know from the very start to the finish to renovate or build your home. So I'm not talking here about put the slab down first, then put the frame up. You know, that's not, that's not the steps I'm talking about. I'm talking about you saying, okay, we want to build or renovate our home from that point right through to, wow, the build is finished and we can move back in. Isn't our home amazing? That's the process that I'm talking about. And they're the steps that I lay out. You know, I lay out these steps. I show you what mistakes to avoid, what so many others get wrong in their projects that mean that they're, they're expensive, they're disastrous, they're full of headaches. And I show you what you need to know to get it right. And, you know, this is all delivered in short videos with helpful PDFs and worksheets so that you can follow it along simply. And you can download them all for later reference as well. So you can watch them and rewatch them beyond your six-week membership. And there's also the Facebook group 
group to support you for the duration of your six-week membership and there's live Q&A sessions uh, where you can get all of those questions answered that you might have and you can also see all the questions that others are asking. Now the doors are going to be opening to how to get it right early next year in 2018. So if you, the whole idea is that you can kick off 2018 learning just what you need to know to, to get that project going or to correct your course if you've already got your project underway okay so and if you find that you're not enjoying it or you don't find that it's heading in the right you know you don't really feel sure that it's heading in the right direction then doing the course can also be helpful so head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash waitlist and you'll be the first to know when the program doors are open and it's ready to join for its next round and if you're not listening to this episode of the podcast law at the time that it's gone live in December, then make sure that you head to that link anyway, because uh, you'll always be able to find out when the next round of how to get it right is open. Now that's it for this week's episode. And uh, I hope that you found the answers to these questions super helpful. I gave really detailed responses because I wanted to make sure that we could comprehensively cover those particular challenges. All right. Now, next week is going to be our last episode for 2017. Holy cow. So I look forward to having you join me then. Look, renovating and building can and should be enjoyable. Disaster does not have to be your story. Okay. Say it with me disaster does not have to be my story (laughs) look it's not to say you might have some challenges along the way and you know there might be some things that you you find a little bit tricky to navigate but what I can promise you is this okay I'll never say I'll never promise you that renovating a building is going to be easy that's something you will never hear from me what I can promise you though is I can help you make it far simpler and that when you get it right it is all so worth it All right, so Undercover Architect is all about helping you and teaching you how to get it right when you're designing, building or renovating your home so that you can do it simply and feel confident and in control while you do. Thank you so much for tuning into the Get It Right podcast and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.